This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. I'm so excited to introduce to you my next guest, Hampton Carney. Hampton Carney is the CEO and owner of Paul Wilmot Communications, and he's also my best friend. Today, we are going to discuss our journey coming up in fashion together and in the business world, and how we manage success, and also how we had fun doing it, and some of the lessons we've learned along the way. Hampton, I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, um, I'm happy to be here, Heather, and congratulations on the podcast. Yay! Well, sometimes when you say you're going to do stuff, or all the time, like I say, you really want to do it. You want to see it through. But life isn't always that easy, right? There's always kind of barriers and stumbling blocks along the way to get to where we want to be. And that brings me to you. So when Hampton and I met 20 years ago, he was an account executive at Paul Wilmot Communications, and I was the design director for Sean John for Puff Daddy at his fashion label. And now Hampton is the owner and CEO of Paul Wilmot Communications. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to acquire your own business. Well, first of all, I'm going to correct you on your timeline because it's been 22 years. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, since Sean John launched in 1998, which is hard to believe that That we've been friends and colleagues for that long. But yeah, so, uh, you know, I started 
at the bottom, really, as an account executive at the agency, you know, working on a bunch of different fashion accounts, one being Sean John, where we had the great opportunity of meeting. And fast forward 22 years later, you know, you've done a lot for sure. And now, you know, I've, I worked my way up from account executive to, you know, principal to partner and, and you know, about it year and a half ago, bought the agency from all the partners, which was really, really cool. Never thought that would happen, but always kind of had it in the back of my head. Yeah. So I did not stay in fashion necessarily, although it's still in my heart and you never know what's around the corner again. You and I both came up in fashion though together, but you also really were in the beauty and business world. You did some hotels, you did watches. And still do. And still do. And also managed celebrity profiles, like managed celebrity personalities. I mean, let's talk about that. And that really has been probably the most interesting part of the journey for me is working with these like big name people like Puffy, which we worked together on, working with Jennifer Lopez on her brand, her fashion brand, and of course, Darion brand with the Knowles family, which was so so exciting to be a part of that because that was just amazing. And now again, working with them on the Ivy Park brand. So Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you and I definitely had different paths. You were more in the creative area and I was working equally creative, but Different in Creative the public relations, words. yeah, public relations part, and in an agency too, which is different because we have a lot of different brands we're working on at any one time. And you know, you being in house as as the creative director, you had much more fingers in the soil than I did. But it was amazing. You know, I think one of the biggest things I was thinking about this as we were preparing for this conversation, one of the biggest changes from back then to now is. When we first met and you were working at Sean John, there was no such word as influencer. Right. And now you are an influencer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're they've taken up so much of the of the biggest piece of the pie when it comes to sort of communicating about brands to consumers. So right. I think that's been the biggest shift that I've noticed since we were working together. A huge shift. I mean, so when Hanton and I, when I was design directing for Puffy, uh, when I first started there, what we said in 1998, and he was the account executive. There was zero social media. There wasn't even cell phones yet. I mean, there were the ones that you could connect to your car. Some people had them in their car, those big, like, brick-like cell phones. And then we started with the two-way pagers. Well, we were were super cool with our flip Motorola. Yes. Well, no, 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 because when we started, they didn't even exist. We had those two-way pagers. Oh, and then it went to BlackBerry. Yes, and then it went to the BlackBerry flip phone. I mean, we had a two-way pager. And I remember that was the coolest thing. And really the music industry had that more than anybody else. It was a music industry that we're using using the two-way pagers. Google it. Look it up, guys. I'm definitely dating myself. But it was a cool machine that looked like a tiny little typewriter. It was the thing that like doctors all had. Yeah. I mean, so when I really think back about how advertising and publicity marketing, the way we communicate with consumers has changed so much, it blows my mind. So when we started Sean John... I remember launching Puffy with a postcard. No one knew who Sean John was at the time. Everyone knew him as Puff Daddy. So you were, I know you're going to remember this campaign. We launched when no one knew who he was. When we were first launching at the Magic Show out in Vegas, we sent out a postcard with a picture of him on it. He was about 13 years old and he was in a runway show. And it said on the front, who is Sean John? 
and we mailed them out to like, you know, 50,000 people or whatever that we wanted all these people to come to the magic show. And then he said, if you want to know, show up at booth, you know, 777, whatever. And Puffy was in the booth. Do you remember that campaign? I do remember that. Yeah. It was followed up by that one. I think was just him with his wife beater with a small Sean John signature and a gold and a, maybe a diamond necklace. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, was that, in his tank top and it had the Sean John yeah. logo with, with the diamond and necklace. And that came shortly after the one you're talking yeah. about. I remember very well. Gosh. I mean, that's how we got the word out that he was launching a collection. We did something to the trade. And then, you know, let's talk about magazines and newspapers. And, you know, like this is just to me so interesting. And then we're going to talk about some of the juicy things that, you know, we've done together and experience we've had together. But to me, it's really a phenomenon to think about in the last 20 years, how unbelievable change has abound in uh, communicating to consumers. Oh, my God. Like a seismic shift yeah, in the way that we yeah, communicate. And you look at it like the struggle of print media, which is with newspapers going out of business, with magazines going away. And it's so different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, everything is so much faster. It's all electronic. But I still believe passionately in print media from a, a magazine point of view, because it's like a good vinyl record. You know, you it's a different engagement yeah. when you look at a print magazine. Yeah. But it's I don't think it'll ever go back to what it was before. You know, when we have people which finding all their information, discovering new brands just by flipping through their feed on Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's a totally different media. It world. is. I re- I know I always feel that I show my age when I buy a newspaper. Do you know what I mean? Because I still like the feel of the newspaper. I like to feel it. I like to open it. I like to get the ink on my hands. You know, I really enjoy that. And my kids giggle at me. They're like, why don't you, why don't you just read that on your iPad? And I'm like, well, I really like the feel of paper. They're like, okay. You know, (laughs) it's so funny. They'll just never know it. You know, everything, all that information is on their iPad. Well, they'll never know what life was like before the iPhone either. No. You know, technology evolves to serve those who use it. So there's a reason that we're in the place we are now because we we wanted it and we created it. It evolved to fit our needs. It's amazing. What do you think, just your own kind of crystal ball to look into the future, like what do you think is going to happen? Like are we going to implode on ourselves somehow with this whole social media phenomenon, like the selfie generation, like look at what I'm doing, look at what I'm doing. You know, is there going to be like a, a kickback to it? Do you think that there'll be a rage against it at some points? Because sometimes I feel like, God, you know, I feel I want to post and share, but on the days that I'm just enjoying the moment, you know what I mean? And then I feel bad. I'm like, oh, I haven't posted for like a week. I need to get out there. Yeah. I feel the same way. I was, you know, I just got back from a trip to Tulum and, you know, we represent a hotel group down there, one in town and one on the beach. And it's a beautiful experience. And I thought, oh, well, I got to, you know, share something on my Instagram feed. Not that I have a ton of followers. I have like a thousand followers, so it's no big deal. But also to support the client and just to let him know that I care. But then, you know, my mom's having surgery next week. And I thought that doesn't seem right to, to show myself sitting in some tropical right. locale knowing that my mom's having surgery in a week. So it didn't feel right. Going back to your question, at some point it has to flatten out a little bit. I right. mean, you know, you look, there was this really funny article that I saw on CNN last week talking about how an influencer had sort of faked her trip to Bali by going into an Ikea store and posing with like a robe. And I I don't know if she had planned it all along or if she got caught and then came up with the excuse that she was just showing that you can create this great content, not you don't necessarily have to get on a plane. (laughs) But I thought that was really interesting. And maybe that's indicative of where this sort of influencer phenomenon is going. I don't think it's going to go away. Right. I think that 
a lot of the influencers out there are very talented and they create really beautiful pictures. But at a certain point, it's got to be like white noise and and how much time do people really spend on each post? I, right. You know, it just depends. Maybe, you know what they say, the cream rises to the top. So we'll see. Maybe there'll be a fallout of those those people that are trying to get in the space that don't do it in a meaningful yeah. way. We found a lot of success working with some of these the smaller influencers with smaller followings that have like authentic engagement and yeah. content creation. So I think there's value to that, but I think we just have to see where it's going to go. We just have to, you know, as, as a guy running his own PR agency, we have to be one step ahead and that's where we're trying to be so that we can get ahead of the next thing if it's influence or whatever it is. Yeah. For me, I remember at one point on Instagram, almost looking at, at as a piece of my life, like I do my regular life where I start to say like, what's working for me and what, what isn't. And you know how sometimes like you move through friendships or you kind of uh, tighten your circle as you get older, or things shift and change. I feel like I want to follow less people in a way because I want to be able to pay attention to the people that I want to pay attention to. And then I feel bad because I don't want to like unfollow somebody. I, you know what I mean? It's just so funny. It's like emotional for me, <laughs> you know? You know what? There's actually something for it that's called the mute button. Oh. Where you continue to follow them, but you don't have to look at the pictures in your feed. Oh, you have to teach me how to do that. <laughs> oh, my God. Because so, like That'll I won't, I life. have to search you. You're my best friend. Yeah. And just because I guess of the amount of people I have, like, or the algorithm. Sure. I mean, I always like your posts, but some, you know, Jojo, you know, yo-yo pops sure. up. And every day I see his post and I've never even really liked one. I don't understand the algorithms. It's so funny. But the times have definitely changed. I mean, I think back at the runway shows. Let's talk about fashion and runway. What a great point. Yeah. I mean, right? If you, especially when you look at this last, as it's winding down, this last fashion Cycle. runway season, if yeah. you will, you know, starting kicking off in New York. And then the, the way that they've had to sort of react to the coronavirus spreading, which yes. is, you know, just crazy. Yeah. You know, people like George Armani did a live stream. They He didn't let the guests come into the show. So they just did the runway show without guests there. So when we were starting, they were major events major. and F New York Fashion Week was so important. And it was such a great way to launch a brand and get a lot of really good press. And then what seemed to happen, you know, from my point of view was that too many people came into the space. There were just too many fashion shows. Yeah editors from magazines, which were then very important and still are, would have to figure out a way to go, like divide up their team so they could go to See the all three the shows. important shows that are at nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, as opposed to like the one that had the space in years prior. So, and now cut to, it's not important at all to so many brands. Right. It and it's not reflective of the way that the, the business runs because you, you think about, okay, so we're going to show in February, fall fashion that's not going to be available to buy until at the earliest, let's say July, when you get pre-fall, August, September. And, you know, the the idea of that on every level is just the speed of which everything moves now and the speed of which information is passed. Because back in the day when I was doing runway shows and designing collections, you know, the buyers saw the clothes, the consumer didn't see the clothes until it hit the shelves, only the upper echelon, you know, the VIP purchasers of these one-of-a-kind you know, runway dresses. So like the celebrities, the editors who were going to write about it, the buyers who were going to buy it, that's who saw those runway shows. But they became, I remember when we did Puffy's first runway show, they became such unbelievable shows that, you know, that they were these epic moments and, and time that you wanted to share it, but yet you couldn't, you couldn't leak the fashion. 
And so I remember being on the fashion calendar, having to say, we need to have a fast track fashion calendar so that we can fill immediate, immediate need like buy now, wear now. So off of the runway, I would have to quickly develop some of the pieces quickly to get them to market while then other ones could wait. Well, that's a great point because, you know, you guys were really on the vanguard of fashion shows. I mean, you know, what was it? Puffy's thing was fashiontainment. Like Uh it was it was 50% entertainment, 50% fashion. Yep. We broke all the rules. And his shows were really something. And you remember that that was the first show that was ever broadcast on TV live Mm -hmm. on E and Style Network. I remember I got interviewed. I was sweating my Uh, armpits because I was the creative director. And I mean, this was, you know, my night. That was for me too, as the PR guy was very Your night. stressful. Yeah. Oh my Because remember, Puffy never let them hear the soundtrack to the runway show until the very last minute. And when the producers of the show heard it, and we're talking like 20, 30 yes. minutes before the show was supposed to go live. He was like, it's a revolution. Well, and every other word was fuck. Yes. Shit. I mean, totally. so they were like, how, how in the world are we going to get around this? Because, we, you know, they have. You bleep, know, they bleep, have- bleep, bleep. <laughs> <laughs> so they figured out a way to do like a five second delay on the show. So it was it was live, but it was live minus five seconds. Minus so they had the ability to like bleep mute out, the out profanity. yeah, mute out the profanity, which was so funny. But it was like, oh wow. my god, do you know that all these years I didn't even know that happened? I just remember mm. kneeling on my knee, like you know, and I'm spiritual, but not necessarily like religious. And Puffy's very religious and pray kneeling. I remember us kneeling and praying together before that runway show started because we really did break all the rules. I mean, we had like a 50 foot tall, you know, LED screen with the most amazing video. And we would tell our models to like, look at the audience and have attitude. And that used to be a no, no. You remember that big LED screen that you guys really were the first to do, like a lot of the European designers, like I think Cavalli and Versace, oh, they, all yeah. went, they, they all used it right after you guys did. Because we got nominated for Best New Menswear Designer for the CFDA Award that year. And Alexander McQueen, God rest his soul, he actually took inspiration from us. And, you know, here's this like Royal College train, amazing designer and I'm, you know, the design director for Sean John, you know, I'm just like literally use Puffy as my muse. And I will never forget that first CFDA show and Alexander McQueen taking inspiration and then us watching some of that feedback from the European runways. And that was the first time I ever met Anna Wintour. Do you remember at that CFDA award? Do you, I mean, cause you've met her a million times, but the first time I ever met her, I don't know if you remember how nervous I was. Like I don't get sweaty palms or any of that kind of stuff. She was one of those that I met and I was, cause I just looked up to her as a fashion designer. I idolized her and we had made this fashion history and the celebrities that were in our runway show on the front row. I mean, it was like after all of that magic and we should talk about who attended. I mean, it oh was like, God. I mean, right. It was such an amazing group of people from Pharrell to Missy Elliott to like, I mean, the Naomi, you know, oh, like was, wasn't, we, she, she wasn't walking. She was watching. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, just incredible times. And so to get the CFDA nomination mm-hmm. and then meet Anna Winter and go to the CFDA awards with all of these people I had idolized. Some of them I had worked for like Calvin yeah. and there's Calvin and, I don't know if you remember, but Paul and I were talking to Calvin Klein and he was so proud of me because he remembered when I was like assistant designing for him. And I was just like, that was one of really one of the happiest times of my life. I remember we, cause we just broke the rules and we were the underdogs and we came up. Well, I, I also think a lot of it was like back then it was so glamorous working in the fashion industry. And I, I think it's been democratized yeah. a bit. 
now, and yeah. it's not doesn't have quite the cachet that it had back then in like the you know the late nineties, early two thousand. So I think it's a little different too as an industry. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean. Those were some really fun times. My best years were in the best years, not to mention my travel budget. Oh, my God. I had the fucking, like, endless travel budget. I would go to Paris, London, Rome, and then I would fly, like, to Stockholm to sketch for, like, three days so I could clear my mind. And then I'd go to Hong Kong and start developing the collection. I'd be gone for, like, months at a time. Well, uh, when we talk when we, earlier in the conversation, we are talking about the evolution of technology and the way that, you know, you engage with the media and you engage consumers through that. Also, too, if you think about, you know, you had to travel around the world, you don't really have to do that anymore. Right. You can see everything on your phone now. I, I mean, you don't have to go to these exotic places. It's although so sad. It's a different experience for sure. But, yeah. you, just, you know, you can see everything on your phone. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, working for other companies after Puff and, you know, even then starting my own company. And I was like looking at the travel budgets and Man, thanks, Puffy. We had a really, really good time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, really fun. I would travel with these group of designers and we would always go and they were just really some of, some of the best years of my life. For, I feel for inspiration. For inspiration, uh -huh. you know, and it really was true. I mean, I would find like a, a, you know, a wrought iron gate in Amsterdam and then we would like print that pattern on denim and you know, it was just, I loved the uh, absolute freedom and creativity and designing and creating those collections. Yeah. And I felt so lucky doing it for Puffy because, you know, celebrity fashion then was really new. Oh my God. That really sort of kicked it off. I mean, he was, the, I mean, there had been, you know, what, FUBU before yep. him, there was Fat Farm. Yep. There were a few brands that, it, but his was the first that was so successful and really got the attention of the fashion industry and those people who are the critics of, yes. in, within the fashion yes. industry and they embraced him fully and that was a big difference because all the other brands were really you know celebrities some of them to some degree just putting their name on a brand right and exactly. he was really fully engaged and it came through in and every it came aspect through. Of it. we just won and yeah. won and won because it was authentic it wasn't like i made you know the velour sweatsuit for you know the consumer in like cotton velour and i made puffies in like cashmere he wore exactly what yeah. I made for the consumer. You know what's so interesting too, and I don't know if you follow, if you must follow them on Instagram, Sean John. It's of like course. what what is old is new again, and mm -hmm. you know these like the velour suits back and the, the brand I think looks so cool and neat. You well, know, better than it has in years. Yeah, and, well, that's what I was gonna say. We won and won and won and won, and I was gonna finish that by saying, and we built a foundation strong enough to make it through, you know, the harsh waves of fashion. And, you know, really leaning back on its roots, that brand still is in existence today and still and doing, doing well. really well. Yeah, and so it's it's really fun and interesting to see that happen. I have a feeling Puffy and I are going to cross paths again on a project here or there just because we just have this like history and love for each other, you know, for what we created together. And I always think about that as I get older, you know, what are some of the things that I would like to revisit? And I think like, you know, a project with Puff would be a really fun historical kind of like revisit for me. Uh, I'm sure it would. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> I'm sure it would. Yeah. Let's nice. talk about some of the crazy things that we used to go through together. I mean, we've done a lot together, I have to say, and there's a million stories, but do you remember like between, cause so we both worked together, Hand and I worked both for Puffy, we worked both for Jennifer Lopez, and we worked both for Beyonce. Each celebrity, like, is there, like, a takeaway from each one or, like, a favorite story? Like, tell me. I don't You know, there's too many stories to, to pick a favorite for sure, but I think that those three that you mentioned to me sort of stand out among 
all the other celebrity brands because again, like going back to Puffy, they were they were each so involved in their brand. Yeah. And that allowed for us to really learn from them because they were there. They were present. They were with you where they were working on design. With yeah. me, they were working on publicity. Mm-hmm. And so very different than I think what a lot of these celebrity fashion brands, if you will, were like because they were just again putting a name on a brand. We got to go to the recording studio yeah. at one o'clock in the morning and, <laughs> and and get our plans approved and are we gonna do this, we're gonna do that and get real feedback and direction from these people. So it was an amazing experience that I still say it was really life defining for me. And it really sort of plowed the way for what I think is now success in the business. Yeah. I mean so the access was real. You know, the access to Puffy, the access to Jennifer, the access to Beyonce they were real because they really cared they about. They showed up in the office. They, they were in the up. office. Yeah. yeah, they cared about the brand that they were building, and it wasn't like necessarily just stamping their name on they, something. And brought so much to the table. Yeah, I mean, and so like I remember Puff calling me at like two o'clock in the morning, and we were get, getting ready for the runway show, and he'd be like, "Ma, are you sleeping?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not. I'm not sleeping." He goes, "Good, because you're not allowed to sleep." He's like, you're not allowed to sleep until we go on that runway show. And sure enough, we were still styling out looks for the show at like two o'clock in the morning. And he loved calling me early, early in the morning. Then another day, I remember I was sleeping at home, not a runway time, not during a fashion show um, cycle, but, and he was working in the studio and had some ideas on music. And he's like, calls me up and it was like, you know, two o'clock, two 30 in the morning. And he goes, are you sleeping? And I go, no, no, I wasn't sleeping at all. (laughs) I'm sound asleep. And he's like, You can never really fake that anyway. Never. Exactly. He's like, I want you to come to the studio right now. I want to go over some stuff. I was like, Okay. I'll go, you know, and I would go to the studio to go over designs because that's when he had the time to do it. And I, I would run there and I would be so excited because I knew it was going to be he and me. And, and, you know, and even at like three o'clock in the morning, you had to wait another 45 minutes. I still had to, to wait for him. Yeah, maybe I smoked a blunt waiting. But yeah. <laughs> pass the time. Pass the time. Uh-huh. Pass the blunt. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, those were really fun times. Oh, those unforgettable. Were unforgettable yeah. times. Yeah. Exactly. Can you imagine trying to do the things that we did back then now at our ages, like had to be young to be able to do this stuff, to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and run down to the studio to have a creative meeting with Puffy. You can't do that when you're, let's say, 50-ish. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What? I'm not doing that. You know, Totally. I miss that, uh, the vitality of youth, but at the same time, it's also like, let the young kids do that. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I, w- I wonder what a project would be like with him now because it was so million miles an hour back then. And now he's getting older too. I mean, we're the same age. You know, I think for all three celebrities, like I always had like this takeaway for Puffy, like he really taught me like what I was made of. You know, mm. he pushed me as hard as anyone could push you. And I loved every minute of it. Like I absorbed every minute. of it. I was like, push me harder. And I was like, wow, I did that. Like I accomplished that. Like I can't even believe that. Which you think about in today's world, would that even be acceptable? Right. You know, corporate yeah. guidelines wouldn't allow for that kind of pressure on an employee, you know, but I guess we're in many ways lucky to have had that experience. Which brings me to another point with you, which I want to compliment you because Hampton is one of the most even-keeled people that I've ever come across. And I think that I used to learn from you in fashion, you know, as a publicist in fashion and someone that worked next to you all the time is he never loses his cool. Like at the most stressful moments when I'm like trying to get the models out on the runway and like, you know, the music tape stops or something and like all hell breaks loose. 
you're so calm. Like, how do you do that? Is it because you're challenged with stress all the time that you're like, you never let them see you sweat. <laughs> Thank you. You well, really don't. Like, nothing's a big deal for well, you. Well, I think a lot of it's the product of being a middle child. So oh, you're, yeah. all, you're always balancing the older brother, the younger brother in my case. And you just kind of have much more even temper because of it. And, I, you know, there were times when I w- was super stressed, but I try not to let that become other people's stress. I'm trying yeah. to be, because cons- I think it's contagious. Yeah. Stress begets stress and it can run through an office. It can obviously run through a, a news organization as they amplify these stories and make them more and more frenetic and, right. and get everybody nervous. But I always think that, it, you know, I, a lot of people call me the walking human Valium. They loved having me in the room because I calm everybody down. Yeah. But I think it's just about like, you know, being in that center, being in the middle, stay mm-hmm. in the middle. You have 50% on the left and 50% on the right, and you're right in the middle. So you're right where you need to be. Yes. I mean, I please, if you could take that advice at all, I mean, I really do believe that what he said is like stress begets stress and anger begets anger. And we can only be responsible for ourselves, right? So if he's got these clients that are all like inflamed, you know, who he's oh, got to keep it cool. I tell everybody in the office, like, it's like, there's a fire drill every day with, you know, as many clients as we have. Paul, who, you know, my mentor and yeah, the, 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 the founding of the agency, he was always it's like, it's like baby birds in the nest. And the mother, you know, she she gives a worm to one, but all the other ones have their mouth open and you can never get all the mouths closed at any one time. Yes. There's always baby birds looking for a worm. So it's like, you know, there's always some kind of drama going on when you've got 27 clients, 27 baby birds in the nest, someone's going to have their mouth open. So you just have to understand that that is your life. That's what you signed up for. And when you end your day, you end your day and you leave it at the office. Yes. And you can't carry six worms at a time. So you've got to do one at a time and let them yell, Mm -hmm. you know, and just don't let it affect you. And I think it's just really great tips for everyday living is take a pause Mm -hmm. And, you know, know that your action will beget a reaction and you can be the one to calm it down. You're absolutely right. I mean, every you can never take back the things that you say. Once it's out there, it's out there. So you have to be careful. And I try to always be careful and choose my words and choose what I'm saying to people and make sure that it's not going to, I try to run down each pathway and say, where is this going to lead them? Where is this going to lead them? I try to choose the best path with, yeah. with the things that I say and the words that I choose to to say the things that I say. I think that that's really great advice. I think, you know, going back to our- It's celeb- like being on that five second delay for yes, Puppy's Runaway Show. <laughs> exactly. On the five second delay. Uh-huh. Yes. Everybody engage your five second delay. Take uh-huh. a moment and think about really how you want to react. And we are living at this very fast pace and we're living at, you know, keeping up with everybody and looking to see what everybody's doing. And I think we just need to internally slow down a little bit. We need to. And, and I think that we pause. also need to realize that- we're in this all together. Right. And it's a lot of, I think, the product of Instagram and the selfies and the promoting myself and my ego. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember that we're we're all pulling this rope together to win. And if we consider everybody around us as much as we consider ourselves, I think that we're going to have greater success in the things that we do and, and, and we'll help people along the way. Yeah, and globally. You know 100%. what I mean? Globally, well, we're not really separated by lines like that anymore with the digital world. It's, oh, I mean, that's that is the gift that Facebook gave us is yeah. the connectivity that we have with everybody. It's you know, it's the double edged sword because it's it, I think it's created this 
schizophrenia within society, but it's also connected everybody. Totally. Well, Ham, with my show, there's a lot of these adages out there, you know, be brave, you know, live your best life. And what I say is live your freedom. And, you know, I do my mountain climbs and, you know, a lot of that stuff about me and kind of where my freedoms have started to come from. Tell me a little bit about how you're living your freedom. Wow. Well, I'm always honest and I never tell a lie. And that's how I stay free. Yeah. No matter what situation I find myself in, I'm just, I use the truth to truly set me free. I love that. It's been my sort of guiding light, if you will, through my entire career and my personal Personal life. life. I can attest to that too, by the way, because I've been a client of his, I've worked alongside of his, and I've been his best friend. And I will tell you that. He is the guardian to my children. God forbid anything should ever happen to my husband and I, and my kids picked. So that was really cool. And this is a guy who's got an amazing uh, amount of integrity and he finds his freedom through honesty. And that is like one of the most beautiful things I've heard. And that's why I love you so much Uh, because you're a beauty. Yeah. Inside and out, I might might tell you. (laughs) Well, that means a lot to me. And, you know, it would be both the greatest heartbreak and the sweetest moment if I were to have to yes, take over take the over guardianship of the kids. kids because it would be mean it would mean that I would be losing my best friend, but at the same time gaining two wonderful kids yeah. that would be be in my charge. Oh my God, it's amazing. So let me tell you a little bit of how we got there. So last year John and I decided that we needed to redo our wills. It was just that time they were antiquated and old. And we were starting to take some extreme skiing trips together, you know, where there's avalanche, chances of avalanche and that sort of thing. And we decided that it was time and the will was antiquated and the kids were old enough to start to make some of their own decisions. And so we said to them, if God forbid anything happened to daddy and I, like, who would you want to live with? And Uncle Hampton was like a resounding in unison is where they wanted to be. And that said so much to me about your influence on them and, you know, the way, what you mean to them. And I just, I implore you if you're, you know, kids are at that age where they're 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, and and you don't have a will, please absolutely make one because it's important and bring them into it and talk about it because, you know, death is a part of life. And I think people get really uncomfortable talking about it. And, you know, you shouldn't because death is actually the giver of life, isn't it? Well, in many ways it is. You know, I am at this age, you you sort of see your old people start to disappear on you. Yeah. You know, I lost my aunt five years ago to lung cancer, which was really devastating. It was the first relative that was, and she was like a second mother to me, the first relative that I was that close with that I lost. And it was really devastating. And it, it does make you think, okay, well, we're not here forever. Right. You know, we do have a finite amount of time on this planet, which makes you think of a lot of different things, like we should be taking better care of it. You know, right. We should be taking better care of ourselves. We should be enjoying ourselves. But also we should, like I said earlier, we got, we're all in this together. We should be working together. Yeah. Think of the things we could do if we work together. Yeah. Well, I love you. So that's a way to find your freedom. Don't be afraid of some of the hard discussions you need to have. And listen, walk in your truth, live your truth, and try to be honest and have some fun along the way. So happy to have you join today. It was really wonderful having you, Hampton. Oh, well, it was my pleasure. So you can find Hampton at Paul Wilmot, that's W-I-L-M-O-T dot com, or follow him on Instagram at Paul Wilmot com, C-O-M-M. All right. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. 
At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, I wanted to say a warm and formal hello to you all. And I wanted to thank you for welcoming me into your hearts and into your homes. I just love all the feedback I've been receiving and I have been receiving it and seeing everything. And I do want you to know how greatly appreciated it is. In fact, you're sending me such great questions with the feedback that I want to share them with everyone. So I'm going to start answering these questions right here each week on In My Heart. Just DM me on my Instagram at I am Heather T and let me know that we can shout out your Instagram handle, where you're from, and then ask your question. Go on, any question. And then just listen to In My Heart each week to hear if your question gets the holla back. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to hear from you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.